But why is supported by Progressive? Progressive helps you compare direct auto rates from a variety of companies, so you can find a great one, even if it's not with them. Quote today at Progressive.com to find a rate that works with your budget. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids from Vermont Public Radio. I'm the host of the show, Jane Lindholm. On this program, we take questions from kids all over the world, and Melody Baudet and I find interesting people to help give you answers. Here in the United States, where we're based, we just got a new quarter. I mean, new quarters are always being produced, but now there's a new picture on some of the quarters being made right now. If you look at an American quarter, it's our 25-cent coin. One side is a portrait of George Washington, this country's first president. Flip it over, though, and the normal quarter, the regular standard quarter, has an eagle on it. But you might find a quarter with a picture highlighting one of the U.S. states or territories, or a picture from one of our national parks. These are circulating commemorative coins. They're still used as regular money, but they have special pictures on them that have been approved by an act of Congress. Over the years, there have been few women and few people of color depicted on U.S. money. So a new program is working to get more women onto U.S. currency. Over the next four years, 20 women who have contributed to the United States in various ways will get their picture on the quarter. The first one that's just been released is poet Maya Angelou. So if you live in the United States, keep an eye out for this new special quarter. Later in the year, you might start seeing the first U.S. woman in space, Sally Ride. The news about these new quarters got us wondering about our coins. And Melody and I aren't the only ones asking questions. Hi, my name is Liam. I live in Tacoma, Washington. I'm nine years old. And my question is, how do coins get made and how do they get their logos? Let's start with how and where coins are made. The process varies by country, but in the U.S., the Treasury Department is in charge of making money. Within the Treasury, the U.S. Mint produces coins, and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing produces all of our paper money. We're mostly going to focus on coins today, which tend to change a little bit more. There are four mint locations where coins are currently being produced. San Francisco, Denver, West Point, and Philadelphia, the largest mint in the world. You can usually see where your coin was produced by looking for a tiny letter on it that says S, D, W, or P, although the penny doesn't usually have any mint mark on it. In 2020, the U.S. Mint produced nearly 15 billion coins. In Australia, coins are made at the Royal Australian Mint. Lee Gordon, who is in charge of the Mint, says there's a lot going on there. The Royal Australian Mint is a very special place located in Canberra, Australia. All of Australia's circulating coins are produced in our factory. When you come for a visit to the Royal Australian Mint's gallery, you can get a bird's eye view of the factory and see how all the coins are made. From up on the gallery floor, you might even be able to spot our robot, Titan, 
who helps us move thousands of kilograms of coins every day. The Mint is more than a factory behind Australians' coins. We're a keeper of stories and creativity. In our gallery exhibition, you can explore the history, art, science and traditions of coin and see precious pieces of history and the diversity of errors that can happen in the minting process. I think that would be my favourite part, seeing the errors, the mistakes that have been made over the years. Like the Australian coin that was made with the front side of a 10-cent coin and the back side of a $1 coin. Oops. In the U.S., some of the quarters made in 2005 actually had a letter missing in the writing. So the phrase on the corner said, In God we rust, instead of In God we trust. And some of the quarters that were made celebrating the state of Delaware said the first stat instead of state. Now people try to find the coins that were made with errors on them to collect them. Lots of people collect coins just for the fun of finding something really cool or unique, sometimes because they think those coins might be worth a lot of money, and often just because they like learning about history. Do you know what a coin collector is called? A numismatist. I'm going to say that again. Numismatist. Numismatics is the study or collection of coins, paper currency, and metals. Rodney Gillis is the education director at the American Numismatic Association. Think of the Numismatic Association as being the largest coin club in the United States, because that's basically what we are. Rod used to be a history teacher, and he says learning about what was going on when old coins were made is really fun. I think it's a wonderful hobby because coins are really primary historical documents. They're windows back into our culture and back into the history, and uh, that's what I enjoy mostly about the collecting. I asked Rod to help answer some of the questions you've sent us about how money is made. Hi, my name is Aiden, and I live in Westminster, Colorado, and I'm six years old. And my question is, how are pennies and coins made? Hello, my name is Bennett. I am six years old. I live in Seattle, Washington. My question is, how are dollars and coins made? I'm Mosey. I'm from Alpha Cookie, Mexico, and I'm four years old. And how are coins made? In its most basic form, how a coin is made involves taking a piece of softer metal, placing it in between two pieces of harder metal, and applying force. That's how the very first coins were made, and that's how coins are made today. Uh, The real difference is in how that force is applied. Um, When coins were first minted, it was uh, someone who had a hammer, and they were using the hammer to apply force. Today, in, in our modern mint, um, it's, it's done with machines. And back then, someone who was a coiner, would, it would take about a minute or a little bit longer to be able to successfully mint a coin. Today, uh, thousands of coins are minted in the scope of a minute. So it really has changed a lot in how coins were made. Round disks are punched out of sheets of metal by machines, kind of like how a cookie or biscuit cutter works on rolled-out dough to create cookie shapes. Those disks are called blanks. The blanks are heated up to make the metal a little softer, 
and then squeezed by another machine to create a rim around the outside of the coin. And then the design is pressed into each coin by a metal die, which is basically like a stamp. My name is Maddie. I live in Des Moines, Iowa. I am eight years old. And my question is, why are coins in different sizes? That's a wonderful question. And so the answer is that today our money is called a fiat money. And what we mean by that is that the metal that is used to make our coins uh, does not have an intrinsic value. In other words, it's, it's not made of precious metal. But that always wasn't the case. And as a matter of fact, if you look back to the days of of the ancients and you look back to medieval times, um, what happened is that the size of coins, because they were made with precious metal, really was an indicator of their value. And so we get that out of tradition. You know, back in 1964, for example, a uh, half dollar was made primarily of silver, 90% of silver. And the idea was that the uh, silver that was used to make that coin was approximately the value of the coin itself, 50 cents. And so a quarter was, uh, the denomination was smaller, hence the coin was smaller uh, until you get down to the dime. And so that's the reason we have different sizes. Um, out of tradition today, but it got its start because of the precious amount of precious metal content that was uh, used for the coins. Of course, the dime is worth 10 cents, but it's actually smaller than the nickel, which is worth 5 cents, or the penny, which is just 1 cent. So that rule doesn't always hold true. Rod says there used to be an even smaller coin. The smallest coin that the government actually minted in our history was a three-cent piece that was made out of silver, and it was called a trime. And the three-cent piece today for collectors is, is highly prized, basically because it's hard to find one that's not bent. And the reason was that they were so small and so thin, and people carried them around in their pockets, that they would bend very easily. So that's the reason behind it. You know, a lot of people talk about how um, coins are different sizes to help the sight impaired. And, and that's a really good theory. And there's also the idea that there, you know, the edges of some coins are plain, like cents and nickels. But then there are others that are bumpy at the edge. And we call that reading. And reading, for example, are on dimes and on uh, quarters. And so when people think, well, you know, the, the dime and the cent are very close in size, the reason that there must be reading on the dime is that, so that people who are sight impaired can tell the difference between a dime and a cent. And that's a wonderful theory, but that's not true. The reason that reading appears on some of our coins is that um, back during the days when, a long time ago, when uh, coins were made out of precious metal and before reading existed, there were people who would shave the edges off of coins. And when they did that, um, they would be able to save enough shavings and be able to turn them in for something of value. And of course, that was illegal. So reading was invented to prevent people from being able to shave the edges off of coins. And that's how reading came about. 
Hi, my name is Dylan. I'm seven years old and, and I come from Baden, Switzerland. And my question is, how much does it cost to make money? It used to be that the value of the metal in the coin kind of corresponded to the value of the coin. But now we don't make coins out of precious metals. So how much does it cost to make our coins? And then how do we determine their value? It costs approximately two cents to make a one cent coin. And a nickel, um, the latest number that I have is it costs almost seven and a half cents to make a nickel. Um, now, as you go up in, in the value of a coin, the uh, amount goes down. So in other words, it costs less than 25 cents to make a quarter. So we, we don't lose money on that. Um, but but yeah, that's, that's basically it. So it does cost more to produce a cent than its actual value, and, and the same for a nickel. So that's a really good question. Since it costs more money to make a penny than the penny is worth, some people have suggested we should stop making pennies altogether. Other countries have already done that, like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, and Sweden. Over the years, countries sometimes add new coins or bills or get rid of ones they don't think are needed anymore. Canada stopped producing $1 bills in 1989 and $2 bills a few years later, but they did start making $1 and $2 coins. The $1 coin has a bird called a loon on it, so it's often nicknamed the loonie, and the $2 coin is called the toonie. Loonies and toonies are interesting for other reasons as well. The toonie has two different colors, a gold-colored inner circle and a silver-colored outer ring. Lots of countries have coins with two different colors, including Mexico and Botswana. And lots of countries have coins that aren't a circle. The loonie, which we already talked about, has 11 sides. 20 pence and 50 pence pieces in the United Kingdom have seven sides, called a heptagon. Aruba has a 50 cent piece that's a square. And in Japan, you can find holes in the center of the 5 and 50 yen coins. Okay. But what about the pictures on money? Coming up, let's talk about how images are chosen for coins. This is But Why, a podcast for curious kids. I'm Jane Lindholm, and today we're talking about how coins are made and how the pictures and designs on them are chosen. Hi, my name is Amira. I am six years old. I live in Orange County, California, and my question is... How do presidents get on coins? Thank you. Each country decides what it wants to have as the pictures or images on its money. Sometimes groups of countries get together to share currency, like the countries that use the euro. But generally, it's a government decision by each individual country. Rod Gillis runs educational programs for the American Numismatic Association, basically a nationwide nonprofit coin collecting club. Rod says it's a pretty involved process to get a new image on a U.S. coin, but it usually just starts with someone who has an idea. Then what happens is they contact their uh, representative, and then a bill is made, and the bill then uh, goes through Congress, and if it's successful, then it's signed off by the president. What happens then is that a design is chosen and there's a citizens' advisory committee that, that uh, is an integral part of that. And then they uh, 
send it off to the mint and the mint decides whether that these design can actually be reproduced on a coin and once all that is passed and that takes a very long time once all that happens the final decision goes to the secretary of the treasury and if the secretary of the treasury gives it an okay then the design is ready to be transferred onto a coin and then it's it's understood that that design has to be has to remain on a coin for at least 25 years although you know when we get into programs such as the the new program uh, the, the women on coins program and the state program that we had a few years back um, those programs uh, are a special act of Congress and they allow for a different design based on the subject. But some of our coins, uh, the design has not changed for a very long time, at least for the front or what we call the obverse of the coin. Um, the Lincoln Cent's a great example of that. That has been around since uh, 1909. So that's been around for a very long time. Do we have a person, like a, an actual person's face? on every single one of our coins? Currently, yeah, there is a uh, person, an actual person on each of our coins. It, it hasn't always been that way. Uh, as a matter of fact, for most of our nation's history, Lady Liberty has been the primary person to appear on, um, on practically all of our coins. Most of our coins today have an image of one of our former presidents, usually just their head and neck. But Poppy noticed something different about that penny Rod just mentioned, the Lincoln cent. I live in Virginia, and my question is, why does Abraham Lincoln get his shoulder in his coins and all the other coins don't? So that's a really interesting question. Well, the person who designed the Lincoln cent, uh, his name was Victor David Brenner. And um, Brenner just decided that that was the profile that he was looking for um, to be successful on the scent. So it, it wasn't a matter of he necessarily wanted to have a full shoulder. It's just a matter of that was the sort of the style back in the early 1900s. U.S. rules say a person who is alive can't be on a coin. So anyone you see on a U.S. coin is no longer living. But that's not the case in every country. Lots of countries, like some of the ones that have kings and queens, have those living leaders on their money. That's true in the United Kingdom, which has Queen Elizabeth, and other countries that are aligned with the UK, like Canada and Australia. They also have Queen Elizabeth on their coins. But in Kenya, there's a pretty new law that says no one gets to have their face on a coin. Just so you know, the side with a face on the coin is often called heads, and the other side is called tails. The face side is usually considered the front of the coin. Another way to identify the front of the coin is that it's usually the side with the date it was made printed on it. And the back of the coin has a different image. In Australia, the back sides of coins feature super cool animals. Lee Gordon, the CEO of the Royal Australian Mint, told us a little bit about how those coins came about. In 1963, the Australian government decided to change its currency from the Australian pound to the Australian dollar, which could be divided up into 100 cents. So they had to change all of their money. Lee says six leading Australian artists were invited to submit designs for the new coins. The rules included that the designs must be an Australian theme. 
Stuart Devlin, was the artist selected, and he was given six months to complete his work. Australia has six different types of coins. The 5, 10, 20 and 50 cent pieces were all designed by Stuart Devlin. They feature some of Australia's cutest animals, including the echidna, the lyrebird, the platypus, the kangaroo and the emu. The $1 and $2 coin were both designed in the mid-1980s to replace the $1 and $2 banknotes. The $1 coin was designed by Stuart Devlin and features a mob of kangaroos. The $2 coin was designed by Host Hahn and inspired by a drawing by Ainsley Roberts. It features an image of an Aboriginal elder, the Southern Cross and some Australian plants. Since 1970, the Royal Australian Mint has also released a number of commemorative coins with special designs that commemorate significant events, occasions and people in Australia. These coins are all designed by coin designers at the Royal Australian Mint. Most recently, the Mint has released a coloured $2 coin to commemorate Australia's brave firefighters, especially after the 2019-2020 bushfire season. This coin features two firefighters with a bright orange flame in the centre of the coin. We also released a coloured $2 coin to commemorate Indigenous Australians who have served in the military. This coin was designed by Aboriginal artist Shanae Sutton and features an Aboriginal dot pattern. And in 2020, in a world first, the Royal Australian Mint released the donation dollar the first ever coin designed to be donated. With this coin, we wanted to encourage people to give back, especially to those who need it most. The Mint releases a few special coins each year. They're real coins that you can use to buy things, but they have special designs, and they're usually only made for a short time, unlike those ones with the Australian animals that have been made year over year. Lee wouldn't tell us what design is on it, but he said there's actually a new special coin being released in February. So let's say you have an idea for a coin that you want to see your government make. Could it actually happen? Could you design a new coin? Could your class petition your government representative to have a new quarter with a unicorn on it or something? Well, probably not. First of all, images on money are important symbols for a country. So it would be hard to just get a random design approved by Congress or your country's government. And there are way more ideas than actual coins that ever get made. But it does all start with an idea, so never say never. What we put on our money says something about who we are and what we value. Even if we don't use coins and dollar bills as much as we used to now that people have credit cards and often make online purchases— it's still important to think about who we elevate, who we celebrate, and who we think is worth honoring by putting their images on our money. It is a representation of our culture. And um, I always, when I'm in a classroom with youngsters, I always tell them that if a thousand years from now, people landed on Earth from Mars, one of the ways that they could uh, tell about how we lived and what was important to us is to study our money. That's one reason these new quarters with American women are important to a lot of people. There have been, as I said, very few women featured on U.S. coins and bills that we use every day, and very few people of color over the years as well. 
So these new quarters are one step in changing that and acknowledging, realizing, that it's important to represent all kinds of people on our money. So, if you do have an idea for an important person or symbol you think should be on the money you get to use every day, get in touch with the people who represent you in your government. In the U.S., that might be your senator or congressional representative, and see if they can help you. And if you're interested in collecting coins and learning more about them, Rod Gillis and the American Numismatic Association actually run a program for kids. And it's called Coins for A's. So any youngster who earns uh, three or more A's in a marking period or whatever, this I know that some school systems use numbers. They use one for four. Or homeschoolers, you know, if you earn three or more top marks in a marking period, you can send a copy of your report card to me. And what I will do is I will send to you a um, a really neat world coin with a challenge to learn as much about the history of the country that minted the coin and the geography. We've had youngsters start in kindergarten and all the way up through high school uh, every marking period. Right now we have about 1,800 kids nationwide. Beyond this program, Coins for A's, there are also plenty of books you can read that will tell you about coins and other clubs that you can participate in wherever you live. And I encourage you to look at the dates on the coins you find. See if you can find a coin that was made the year you were born. Or others from the years the adults you love were born. And then think about all the different places that coin might have been and all the people who may have touched it over the years. Think about all the things they could have used that money for, how many pockets that coin has been in and where it may have traveled. Pretty cool to imagine, don't you think? Well, let's leave it there for today, shall we? Remember, if you have a question about anything, you can have an adult help you record yourself asking it. They can use a smartphone if they have one and then send the audio file to us. And if you don't have a way to record yourself, that's okay. Have an adult email your question to us. Our address is questions at butwhykids.org. We love hearing what you're curious about. Thanks to Lee Gordon of the Royal Australian Mint and Rodney Gillis of the American Numismatic Association for helping us understand a little bit more about how money is made and who gets to be on it. But Why is produced by Melody Baudet and me, Jane Lindholm, at Vermont Public Radio and distributed by PRX. Our theme music is by Luke Reynolds. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Until then, stay curious. Stay curious.